Okay, so just as a disclaimer first hand, yesterday I spoke about Porsches a lot because, of course, Porsche Club president, but you've seen that two weeks ago. Today, um, we're speaking to a bit of a BMW fanatic. Um, am I a big fan of BMWs? Probably not. Uh, do I appreciate them? Yes. Uh, can I talk about them? Yes. Do I like it? Probably not. So it's going to be quite an interesting conversation. Um, we have Renzo here, very cool guy, just met, who has the most awesome cars, but we'll, we'll chat about that a bit later. Um, he hasn't been on a podcast before, all right? Yeah. Yeah, first time for everything. Um, and he even doesn't work in a car industry. Usually we shoot with journalists or editors or people who work in the industry. But now we actually have someone who has a massive passion and love for cars, owns great cars, even though he doesn't work in the industry. So it's going to be a bit of a different viewpoint. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to On The Overrun. This is episode 11 of season three. Um, please excuse the notifications. He is a businessman and an entrepreneur, so he's, he's working while we're going. Um, but yeah, Renzo, thanks for joining. Uh, thanks for being here, allowing me into your humble abode. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, Renzo, thanks for joining. Um, maybe let's start off, uh, since I'm not a massive BMW fan, what is wrong with Mercedes? To be honest with you, nothing's wrong with Mercedes. <laughs> I'm, I'm also a fan of Mercedes myself. Okay. Um, I'm just a bigger fan of BMW. Okay. Uh, I've, yeah, I, I wouldn't not have a Merc, but at the moment, my current collection is just more BMWs than anything yeah. else. Sometimes it's, it's different. Sometimes yeah. it's more VWs or Audis or whatever. It's, it, it chops and changes. Just but at the moment, BMW is my number one. Okay. No, I see. Um, I think you also go through stages where at some point Mercedes brings out insane cars. And you're like, maybe let's chop and change a bit. You know, it's all down to preference. And Absolutely. that's totally fine. So maybe let's chat about uh, little young Renzo and how his love for cars started. Uh, what are some of the earliest, best memories you've had with cars? And yeah, maybe chat about that. Cool. Well, I think it's, uh, it's pretty typical. Any, any child starts with toy cars. They've got that, you know, that carpet with a racetrack on it. And uh, I used to have a big, it looked like a tire, but it was a suitcase that had my toy cars. And I think that's where it started. That's why I remember it from, uh, from quite a young age. Uh, as I got older, it obviously developed into, you know, Things with motors, or well, probably bicycles first, and then motorbikes, quad bikes, things like that. And I suppose as you as you become a little bit older, and you're able to afford bigger, better, more expensive toys, that's how it progresses. Yeah, you you mentioned something earlier um, off camera, which is very interesting, and it's I think for a lot of petrol, it's also the case. You really want to work in the industry, but you know necessarily it doesn't give you the ability or resources to actually drive these insane cars yeah. not just you know for a week test or whatever but actually own them and live with them yeah. uh, which is a much more immersive experience so um, if money was no object right and car industry is the holy grail of i don't know monthly salaries what would you do if you were to work in the car industry i would l not one thing i don't like sticking to one thing so i'd probably okay. have a uh one-stop shop, a tuning company, dyno, uh, car customization, you know, visual mods, performance yeah. mods. I'd probably even like to develop my own mods, uh, you know, performance and visual, literally everything. I wouldn't want to do one thing. I'd like it all to be in one thing, yeah. even detailing, all of those things that I can appreciate. So I'd love that in one, like one big business. If I could, yeah. ideal world, massive warehouse, each of these businesses within that same warehouse. Yes. Okay. No, I like that idea. I think that's a model um, portrayed in a lot of European car companies, yeah. companies, uh, you know, like the like of DK Engineering, uh, as such, who has storage and restoration and modification. You know, you have all those in one house, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, just goes to show your business brain is working. Um, so car industry, of course, is a... It's an interesting topic. A lot of people I speak to is journalists and editors, and they have one kind of view of, you know, how cars go and how cars progress. Um, but I want you to speak a bit about your progression with cars. Where did you start? What was the first car you've ever had? And up until now, you spoke a bit about your love for tuning and modification, and we'll get, we'll get to that a bit later. But go, take me through the journey. Where did you start with your cars and where are you now? So my first ever car, as I feel like most people's first ever car was a... VW Polo 1.6, uh, naturally aspirated, obviously. Yes, of course. Uh, that was bought for me by my family when I was 18. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the usual starting low. Uh, obviously, I was very grateful for the car. I loved yeah. the car. 
Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't sell that car until last year. I had it as a as a sentimental. Really? Yeah, I sold it because of lack of space. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. I love that car. It was. I've got so many memories in that car. Driving, you know, when you first get your car, you just drive for the sake of driving. Me and my cousin, we used to literally get in the car and drive with no destination for hours, and I loved it. Yes. And I still do that to this day, to be honest with you. But obviously, the the cars have become slightly, yeah. slightly better. So just as an indication, how long did you keep that polo? Uh, just about 10 years. Just about 10 years. Yeah. That's interesting. A lot of people also like sentimental part, go back to their first cars. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with many like car YouTubers like Shmi or such, yeah. um, but he re basically his 1.4 Renault Clio now just to, and he wants to make it in a rally car, which I mean is very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so from the polo on, what was your progression from then? What what came next? So it was, there were a few different ones. Uh, and, and I wasn't always, I didn't always own the cars. I was, uh, I went through a stage where in my mind, my, my business brain, uh, it was financially viable to lease cars. Mm. So uh, and there were many cars that I, that I, I was kind of in and out of it was because I was quite indecisive so I didn't know which car I wanted to buy Yeah. so I was in Mercedes A45 AMG uh, Mercedes C63S uh, Range Rover Sports uh, sorry Range Rover SVR uh, what else was there BMW 8 Series which is a bit more recent even the i8 I tried almost every car I could uh, until I decided uh, I think it was actually only this year when I properly started luck owning the cars and yeah. the first one that, which was this year or late last year was the 2021 jeep trackhawk yes had that car loved it madness it's an absolute animal of a car and since then my my financial brain that was telling me not to own and, and lease instead mm. changed around a little bit so now I, I i buy all my cars i don't finance them i purchase them cash so they i, I own them outright i don't owe any money on them it's yeah. and now for me that's the best way to do it because your cars that you own now are, you know, far off from just stock. It's yeah. very much personalized. And we also spoke about this a bit earlier. You know, when it comes to um, really wanting the cars that you want, you know, you have to own it to be able to personalize it. Yeah. You have to own it to be able to modify it and such. So where did that modifying tuning bug kick in? So the earliest I can remember that being a part of my life is... I specifically remember I was in grade seven with my friend. His name was Matthew. He was my best friend at the time. We used to get, it might even be before grade seven, we used to get speed and sound magazines, pick our car, and then go through the list. You know, they've got the auto style and the different companies that have their list of different mods. And we'd literally, in our head, build the car. So I want that car with those wheels, with that splitter, with that spoiler, with that engine. And we'd kind of build it there. And I think that's kind of where it, it came to me for cars. But before then even, with anything I had, I wanted to modify it. If I had a remote control car, I'd spray the wheels black. I'd see what I could do to make it faster or look cooler. Yeah. Bicycles, I'd, I don't know, what, whatever we did to, to make it look cooler or sound cooler or whatever. Yeah. Same when we got uh, quad bikes and, and uh, motocross bikes, things like that. We were doing whatever we could, changing the filters just to, yeah. to make it more personal. And I feel like that's kind of stuck with me. Okay. No, that's very cool. Um, I think for me... So interesting, I don't even own a car. So okay. I drove you with my mom's car. Still going with, uh, um, well, yeah, I think hopefully next year I'll get my first one. But for me, tuning and, and modifying is, is very cool. But I'm almost so scared of the, you know, the risk side of it, like it going wrong. Yeah. or um, Because some modifications are, are, you know, great and some are simpler or, or I guess in some ways smaller than others like let's say you do chip tuning i mean you can quickly replace or change that up but when it comes to stuff like forging engines or um i don't know a bit more you know mechanical substantial change um, i think that scares me a bit okay. so did you i guess go through the progression of starting lightly with mods and then just going on to a bit more heavy stuff with the cars you have now or how does that look for you what do you feel about it so Yes and no. So the, obviously I, I've always understood the concept of, you know, kind of starting slowly, starting with the most basic things. And that's probably where I would recommend somebody who was planning on doing it, starting with, you know, doing small things, exhaust, intake, downpipe, whatever it may be. Um, but the most important element in that is actually just choosing the right guys to do it for you. Mm. It's, there's a lot of fly by night people in the, in the industry, in the tuning game. Um, 
I don't know if you know, but I'm, I'm actually sponsored by Tweak Performance and ATM Chip Tuning. Okay. So uh, the reason I've gone to them is because I've tried a lot of other places and not too bad mouth other companies, but in my opinion, ATM is the best. Uh, they're obviously agents for Tweak. So Tweak supplies the parts, ATM does the installation, all the tuning, everything like that. And we've kind of got a, a perfect little synergy going. So as soon as you find the right company, the right guys to do your work, yeah. and you trust them fully, because trust is a big factor in the game, uh, then you're kind of good to go. Because realistically, you have to trust them. Because if you don't really know that much about cars and mechanics, they can say they've done something if they actually haven't done it, and you wouldn't really know the better. Yeah. So I want to go to a guy that's, I don't have to check up on their work. If, if they tell me it's done, then I know it's done. Yeah. You saw the video call. Now my, my tuner phoned me. He was showing me, this is broken. This is what we're putting on the car. He doesn't yeah. need to do it because I trust him fully, but he still does it. It's just an extra piece of mind. Yeah. It's that transparency that actually just gives you that, you know, edge. Okay, cool. I trust this guy. This guy knows what he's doing, but he also cares about his clients. He has exactly. to. He has no other choice. Otherwise, he'll go out of the business quite quickly. Exactly. Um, now, something I know zero about is when it comes to the second-hand market for modifi modified cars. Yeah. Um, do you have any experience or expertise regarding that? Like, how do modified and tuned cars handle in the second-hand market? Do they actually keep the value of people, I don't know, but scared to actually go into that door? So... It's, it's a very niche market, but for the everyday man on the streets, a modified car would hold less value. As soon as you modify your car, it does technically, even though the parts may cost X amounts over the value of the car, it's still technically going to devalue your car. Mm. Unless, you know, under certain circumstances, for example, if you've got a, a BMW, uh, like an M3, with a BMW-approved acropovic exhaust, that can add to the value because it doesn't affect your motor plan. It's, it's yes. BMW-approved, so it's kind of seen as acceptable but if you've got that exact same exhaust made by another company that wasn't bmw approved it would lose value okay so it's kind of relative to the industry i mean to the brand yeah no that makes sense so for you um you also mentioned that when it comes to a modified car and personalizing it to your taste it's about making the most rowdy shouty mad cars you get on the road yeah 100%. so i think that gets us to the cars you have now um Go into deep chat about what you have now, what you've done to those cars, what you're planning to do. Uh, I think the people will be very interested to hear. Cool. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've yeah, my, my goal with any car is to make it ridiculous. People must look at it and be, wow. They must just say, wow. It's, I want something unique, um, something that very few or no people have or can have or have had, uh, and something that's, that speaks to me, which is... It's not. I wouldn't say it's my personality to be to, personality to be obnoxious, but I do like a loud, noisy, fast, obnoxious car. Yeah. So, well, let's start from the beginning this year. It was the Jeep Trackhawk, which is already a 6.2 liter V8 supercharged motor, stupid fast car. I mean, fastest of the SUVs at that point. Hundred um, percent. My my first thing to do to that car, it was already quite loud. Was to put a ridiculous exhaust. Well, on what else? So I, I went to uh, Borle in the States. Uh, they make a, an exhaust that's actually approved by Jeep. Uh, not cheap, but let me tell you, that car was fast. When you know, yeah. when, when I started that car, you can hear there's a big V8 starting somewhere. Yeah. And it shakes the buildings in town. Yeah. And, but the thing, what I liked about that car is also you can, if you're driving it normally, it sounds like a normal car. If you're not, it's an it's an absolute animal, yeah. Which is quite cool. So that car I didn't do too much to because I've got two sections of my cars. I have my daily drivers and I have my my toys. This is a daily driver, so I didn't do anything besides the exhaust and the intake on that car. Kept it reliable, kept it obviously fast, yeah, and kept it within motor plan. <laughs> okay. Um, then I obviously had my toy. At that time, we started with my M2 bolt. Just a normal, I think it's a 2017 N55 motor M2, not the competition. Yes. I started with the full bolt-ons. I did, you know, the intercooler, oil catch can, the, you know, the usual. Yeah. Um, stage two, I think, software. Uh, we went water meth, charge pipes, intakes, the, basically the full bolt-ons uh, on stock motor. It was, a, it was a cool car. It was playing around at 300 kilowatts. It was, for me, it was cool, but it, it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, I then got an offer from a company called Big Boost in America. Uh, they're well known for doing big single turbo kits and they, they developed a kit for my car. So it was actually the, the first um, kit they developed for a right-hand drive car. Um, Does that make any difference? 
left and right and drive? Uh, yeah, so the fitment would have been slightly different because okay. it's a steering column or something like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's the first one they developed. The car turned into an absolute animal. <laughs> Still is, yeah. Yeah, so, so obviously we ran into to one or two teething problems. Uh, we, we, you know, we built the car. We were pushing about 400 kilowatts, which is really strong on a stock motor. Uh, yeah. Uh, we obviously had the normal fueling issues with that car, so we upgraded the high-pressure and low-pressure fuel pumps. Then we took it to the track day, uh, probably prematurely. The car absolutely wrecked itself. It <laughs> went into lymph motor. Oh, uh, no. I think I cut the injectors out. Uh, we, everything to do with the fueling system yeah. was shot. It just went down. So obviously... We found the weak points in the car. We upgraded. Now we've got the car sitting, I think, just short of 420 kilowatts. Fueling is perfect. And we've got the potential to put a lot more power on. So yeah. it's beautiful. That's, that's also part of the process is, you know, trial and error. We know X, Y, and Z is going to work. But, you know, if this is going to fail, we, we know it's going to fail. We're going to upgrade it. Yeah. Most people, you know, if something breaks in their car, they're like, oh, no, it's broken. For me, it's, it's part of the process. You're going to break something... You can yeah. upgrade something, you can then improve your car. I think what's different for your uh, situation is the fact that you you intend to make this car, you know, max out potential, yeah. what it could be at its max. So, you know, you are going to have some setbacks, and I think for you, that's all right. For yeah. your typical average car guy, when something breaks, oh, fix it, okay, that's fine. But it's not about just fixing, it's about improving. Exactly. Um, and... I mean, probably a lot of tuning companies, modification companies, you know, they work with these cars and the engines and something happens. And sometimes they don't even know, you know, what's clapping, like mm. what's actually wrong, what went f to fault. So now they have to go find the issue. If there's not a solution, they have to make a solution. Exactly. So, and, and that's what ATM does. They're actually very good at that is, is troubleshooting. Um, but I think even, even before they troubleshoot, they, they're very forward thinking. So they think this may be a potential issue in the, in the future. So instead of letting the issue become an issue, they fix it, by, they, they fix it or they change it or they, they have a solution before it even happens, which is quite, quite different. I think a lot of the other companies wait for something to break. Yeah. My guys, they think, okay, what could break? They fix it, they upgrade it. Now it's not going to break. Yeah. If something else breaks, then you know, we, we cross that bridge and we get there. But yeah. we know that's not going to break. Yeah. So, so right now the M2s, fueling enough to be pushing like a thousand kilowatts it's obviously not pushing a thousand kilowatts but now we know 100 percent guaranteed we're not going to have any fueling issues yeah now or in the future if we do decide to forge the motor so do you have any stats on what the fuel economy is <laughs> on that car i must be honest i have no idea but it's thirsty it's you very thirsty. i mean you probably go drive come back have to refill again yeah. like it's, it's it's thirsty it's not a it's not a car that you want. <laughs> if yeah. you're worried about fuel economy, don't modify your yeah. cars. It's you're not. not taking it to Bloemfontein anytime soon. Exactly. Okay. Well, to be honest with you, I actually am driving it up to Joburg next oh, week. Oh my way! Um, but good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 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 going to cost a. It's, there's going to be a fuel bill there. I can tell yeah. you that much. So the fact that it's now pushing around 420, you said, yeah, um, implies that you're going to, you know, go higher. Yeah. So my my intention is, uh, right now the car is where I want it. But also we understand that we are in a stock motor. We've got stock rods, stock pistons, stock block. Yeah. Things, when you're pushing a lot of power and you're boosting high and your compression ratios are changing, things like that, your car can break. Your, your motor can break. And I'm, I'm prepared for that. I know if it breaks, fine. I'm going to forge the motor. I'm going to yeah. go fully built motor. I'm probably going to do a closed day conversion. And if I do, we, we've got power targets of four figures plus. But for right now, I'm happy with where the car is. Do you know of anyone who's doing that with the M2? No. Right now, as it stands, my M2 is the most powerful N55 M2 in South Africa. Uh, possibly the world. I can't claim about yeah, the world, but I, but I know absolutely right now in South Africa, it is the most powerful N55 M2. And another question regarding uh, reliability and maintenance is tires. Yes. <laughs> you probably shred through tires. Absolutely. So, I mean, it wouldn't be weird to have maybe five six sets in a, f a few months or a year yeah five six sets a month sometimes five six sets a month that is something that i have no comprehension of but okay that's very cool yeah it's it's my, my entire budget is probably my my highest expense in the cars obviously maintenance is a is an expense but because atm makes sure i stay on top of my maintenance all the time it's never like a massive expense you know we if you're supposed to service a car every you know if the, yes, the light yeah, tells yeah. you every ten thousand or twenty thousand k's 
ATM services in my cards every like 7,000 K. Okay. Just to stay on top of the maintenance. Yeah. They, they check every time they, if I'm on the track, if I'm, you know, after a, a month where I've particularly been pushing the cars more than normal or something like that, they'll make me bring the cars in or they'll come fetch the cars. They'll check it out. They take the wheels off. They open up the motor. They check everything. If, if, if it's not in tip top shape, they make sure it's yeah. in tip top shape. Yeah. No, super thorough. That's very good to hear. So we've got the M2 covered. Mm. You also have the M4. Yeah, Liberty okay. M4. Let's go on that one. So that's also, it's the very rare car. It's the only original Liberty Walk M4 in South Africa built by a race in Johannesburg. Uh, they're the only agents for Liberty Walk in, uh, in Africa, I believe. Uh, oh, okay. Th their build quality is on another level. They oh. obviously, so race is also kind of a one-stop shop, but they mainly focus on cosmetics. Uh, they didn't build the car for me. The car was owned by, not too sure what his name was, but it was owned by another guy. Um, I was then looking to buy uh, an M4, but I didn't want a normal M4. So I was looking at an M4 CS, and I was looking at an M4 GTS, and then the guys from Race, I was busy speaking to them about Liberty walking my GTR. Yeah. Then the guys from Race found out that I was looking for an M4. So they said, hold up on the GTR, come look at this car. They sent me a link, and the, the day before, uh, that Liberty Walk M4 came up for sale. So, so it was already Liberty Walk before? It, it was already Liberty Walked, and they'd already done some performance mods. Okay. Um, yeah, not the greatest quality performance mods on a car like that, so I basically redone the whole thing. So is that in terms of just what they did with the engine mechanically or, you know, chip tuning or...? Yeah, so they, they obviously, they tuned it, they put uh, methanol, nitrous on it. Um, they did your normal bolt-on mods. Yeah. But just the, in my opinion, with a car of that caliber, I, I wouldn't skimp on the, on the prices of, you know, your parts you're getting. Sure. And I feel like they did. They, they were using sort of... Not quite the top quality yeah. parts, and in, in my budget cuts, and yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't. For me, if you can't afford to get the best, don't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't. If there's a a turbo for a thousand dollars, that's going to last me six months, maybe less. Or there's a turbo for five thousand dollars that I know is going to last me for much longer, and I can't afford the five thousand dollar one. I'm not going to buy the thousand dollar one. I'm going to wait until I can afford the five thousand dollar one. Yeah, that's what I do with all my cars. I make sure I've got the best of the best, so I know. If something fails, it's not because of that. Yeah. So, yeah, the the car was modified. They were claiming 450 kilowatts on the car. It was not 450 kilowatts. I know the previous owner also blew the motor while running nitrous on a stock motor. So I basically got the car with like the motor had like 3,000 k's on it. So brand new motor. Brand new motor. Uh, we've still got the same kind of mods they put on, except we've just done it with better parts. Okay. So it's got also stock motor. We've got hybrid turbo stage two hybrid turbos on it. All the boost pipes, charge pipes, CSF charge cooler, yeah. uh, methanol for the cooling. It still has nitrous, but it's disconnected at the moment. And uh, we've got some nice, some nice tuned files for it as well by ATM. Well, I guess you have enough power without nitrous in anyway. Exactly. That car, I don't. It's not a race car. It's a, yeah. If you've watched my videos, you know what I do with it mostly. You don't need yeah. stupid power to do that. It's a very active showpiece. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a very properly used showpiece. Yeah. 100% it's not a garage queen. Yeah. No, that's, I think um, that's the one thing. We'll, we'll chat about disturbing the peace in a bit. But I think that's the one thing about uh, looking at your videos and what you do with your cars is that you use them. Yep. We, we see every single one being used, exactly. being shredded. And I think that's where, for you, you said you have your daily drivers and then you have your toys. Toys are meant to be used and 100%. to be played with. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I feel you do it in a very prudent way, yeah. which is good. I'm, I'm not scared to to play with my cars. Yeah. It's the, you know, if something happens, something happens. It, it yeah. is what it is. I'd much rather, ha you know, have them, use them for what they built and enjoy it. Yeah. If something goes wrong, it is what it is. I've got yeah. insurance. I've got, you yeah. know what I mean? I, I, and not to sound arrogant, but if something goes wrong, I can afford to fix it. It's, yeah. it's fine. I'd much rather have a toy and use it than have a toy and look at it. Yeah, it's not like it's planned for, but you know, it's expected in some way. Yeah. It's things in the can, budget. Things can go wrong. Yeah. A week ago, I took a, a one of one Liberty Walk on Kilani Racetrack, and we absolutely mashed it for six hours. And we spun off and yeah. we, we went over the curbs and we, we, we had fun. Yeah. But the thing is, it, it was worth it for me. If something had gone wrong, if it was worse than it was, sure, it is what it is. Yeah, it's you know it's fine. It's it, it's getting the use at once. So about the Liberty Walk, I'm very interested in in Liberty Walk and what they do. It looks like an insane process, but I don't know much about the build. Yeah. Maybe you can chat about how that build went. I know it, it wasn't your car when it was being Liberty Walk, but how does a typical process work 
when you want a Liberty Walk your car? So it, they're obviously quite exclusive with what cars they build. Uh, Liberty Walk's known for JDM cars, you know, sure. GTRs, Supras, and S2000s, and whatever. They they started as a, a basically a company out of a garage in Japan doing wide body cars for drift, uh, wide body builds for drift cars. And then they kind of went into the more premium markets. Now they now they mainly GTRs, they do Ferraris, Lambos. Um, they've got two kits for BMWs, which is the E92 M3 and the, M4. Um, the F82 M4. Okay. Um, yeah, so they, it's, it's a really good company. Their quality is on another level. They're, yeah. They're, they're very sort of anal about their fitment and the, the way their kits look as well, but the, the usability of their kits. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of the times you see guys wide body in their cars and they can't actually use them. They're not functional. Yeah. The, you, see the, you see that flexing and moving. I absolutely mash my car all the time. Yeah. And my kids are fine. And that's very cool. I think I've seen uh, quite a few videos of Liberty Walk cars, which, similar to yours, are being thrashed around a track yeah. or just being totally used. And it's fine. It's exactly. all right. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the Liberty Walk kits I see is also mixed with uh, like a suspension kit where yeah. it just drops down. I don't know if yours also have... No, mine doesn't. Yeah. Mine's just on coilovers for the, for the performance, obviously. Yeah, but it's it's actually so cool to see that even though those cars are being shown as odd pieces, yeah. you can still drive them, thrash them totally. Exactly. How long does a typical Liberty Walk build take? So I'm not sure internationally, but I know with the race, because they've got so many cars and they're so high in demand, it can take, you know, three, six, nine, twelve months. Yeah. And I think that's fine. Like, it, usually when you live with your car, it's a big commitment. Like, yeah. you know what's happening. There's being holes drilled in your car. Yeah. yeah uh, you, you panels are being taken off. Yeah. It's big commitment. Exactly. It's, you can't reverse it. Once it's done, it's done. Yeah. yeah. So, do you foresee the GTR maybe also being Liberty Walk in the future? No. Okay. So, I, I was planning on, I was actually planning on turning the GTR into a, an absolute dog of a car as well. <laughs> Um, I then decided it's not the, the way the GTR is. The reason I have a GTR is simply because of probably Fast and Furious and Need for Speed as a child. Yeah. So that's the reason why I've got one. Um, I, I'm not a massive GTR fanboy. You know, you get these guys that are hugely into their GTRs. I'm not that guy. I just appreciate the car. I appreciate how it's been built and I appreciate how it drives. Yeah. Um, those cars have massive potential. You can take them, you know, two, three thousand horsepower, which is Cool, yeah, but it's, yeah. if, even for me, that's that's too crazy. Yeah. Where I'm sitting at the moment, the GTR is it kind of falls in between my daily category and my toy because it is a car that I can daily, but it's yeah. also a car that I can actually I can absolutely mash. Yeah. So it's kind of in the middle at the moment. We've we've done some things to it. We've upgraded. Uh, we've got stage two or stage three hybrid turbos on it. Uh, we've got fuel, uh, full alpha fuel rail systems. We've got flex fuel in the car, so it can run on ethanol. Um, literally all the boltons as well done some suspension upgrades so we could go for mad power with the gtr but i feel like i'm happy with where it is at the moment which is 550 kilowatts odd yeah so it's, it's not a slow car <laughs> no by no means <laughs> but it's yeah it's, it's also nowhere near most of the other gtrs that's that get modded but yeah i'm still i'm still in the middle still in the middle yeah so you mentioned that the gtr is a bit of a dream car for you yeah. um is is the gtr basically is it just that for you? Is it something you want to build in the future? You said you want to do maybe some stuff on it, or is this a bit of a long-term keeper? So to be honest, it's probably a long-term keeper, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm still indecisive about it. Yeah. It's, it was a dream car of mine. It still is. I'm very happy to have one. Uh, I don't find myself driving it as often as I'd like to, uh, mostly because my cousin likes to drive it. <laughs> but uh, it's, it, I, I kind of sometimes forget about it. When I drive it, I remember why I love it so much. But yeah, yeah it's, it's hanging in the balance. I could go full send 1,000 horsepower GTR yeah. or I could go a drivable daily GTR. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm very indecisive about that one. I think the GTR does a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Like it's, you know, let's say stock form GTR, it still performs crazily. Beautifully. Like just, I remember when the R35 came out, it was literally, it was the supercar slayer yeah. is what, what what it was. And these days, even though the R35 still very much looks the same like it did in 2009, you know, it still has insane performance. Yeah. It still has awesome sound from that like six cylinder and it's comfortable. Yeah, um, it, is. it is actually a good driver's car. Exactly. I'm a big guy. Yeah. So for me to fold myself into a 
Porsche or a Ferrari, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not comfortable. <coughs> In the GTR, I don't have that problem. And to yeah. be honest with you, if you park a GTR next to a Ferrari, some guy walks past with the camera, he's not taking photos of a Ferrari. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I remember my chat, uh, the chat I had yesterday with the, um, the Porsche Club president, and he said the same, like, um, Porsches, you know, even if he loves, loves them, Porsches and Ferraris often... People aren't that interested anymore yeah. in them. Um, they want something crazier. Yeah. Um, so the GTR, I must say, like, I'm not a massive JDM fan. Um, I do like my German cars. I think you do. But there's a lot of appreciation to be had. Yeah. For I, I can like respect that. what they've done with the car and why they've made it the way it is. Yeah. So you also had a new acquisition recently, the G80 M3, yeah. which I, is... I actually had uh, two in the last month and a half. Yeah. You're like looking, yeah, maybe four hours, you know. <laughs> um, but... I actually, so very controversial, of course, the grill and whatever, the design. But as I told you earlier, like BMW knew what they were doing. The new people would get used to it. Yeah. The new people would start to like it. And even when you're inside, not looking at the front fascia, it drives insane. It's beautiful. It is like just the performance of it is leaps and bounds above what it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think what's very cool now is you also have the options of X-Drive being the four-wheel drive and now the dual drive. Yeah. Manual is still there. I don't think the manual came to South Africa. Oh, not in South Africa. Yeah. Otherwise, I would definitely have one. Yeah. And people I actually thought, like, these days with your sports German sedans, the manual's a bit redundant. Um, I don't know. The manual fits to, like, a small, nippy, you know, sports car. Let's say Porsches. It does fit to that kind of character. And I was just wondering, you know, how would that still fit? But it seems like people are quite for the manual or the... Uh, automatic box like yeah there's no difference so for for a daily driver i think automatic obviously it's it's the way to go but yeah manuals you can have a lot of fun in them yeah so with the g8 you had now you had a red one and then uh the you now have a gray one yeah. why why the change so i'm a very impatient man <laughs> um i knew that i wanted a g80 i didn't know which one i wanted so i ordered a Toronto red one, which is the one that I originally got, which yes. is a rear wheel drive model. It was well specced, but because I didn't want to wait, I it could have been better specced. Mm. So I got the car, had it for a little while. Um, then one came onto the market that I wanted. So the Brooklyn Grey was the color I originally wanted. Yeah. Um, the red seats, the red leather was the interior I originally wanted, and the X drive was obviously the chassis I originally wanted. Yes. None of that was available when I decided I wanted the car. Yeah. Um, and the reason I got a G80 so late is because, like everybody else, I didn't like it. Yeah. I looked at the pictures of the car and I hated it. And one day I woke up, uh, I think me and him were having a conversation when I was planning on selling my, my Jeep. One day I woke up and I, I said, that's the car once. And not 24 hours later did I have that car in my garage. Mad. So it was, uh, and it was uh, when I saw the car in real life, it was about 12 o'clock at night. We had to go fetch it from a trucking depot in Cryfontein because we want to wait. Um, Very sketch. Yeah. We, me and a few, of the, a few of my mates and my cousin went there, picked up the car and I fell in love with it. Um, but then I also knew kind of what I wanted in the car because um, I wasn't too sure about colors, but I liked the Brooklyn Grey. So now having driven the car for a couple of weeks, I knew exactly what I wanted. So I went to BMW SMG Century City and I spec'd, yeah. I spec'd my own one. Unfortunately, Brooklyn Grey wasn't a color. It was a, it was a white one, X-Drive, black interior, but fully yes. spec'd, yes. spec'd exactly how I wanted it. I paid the deposits, and then the evening I paid the deposits, the exact car I wanted. Brooklyn Grey, red leather interior Went with up. all the interior spec that I wanted. Came for sale on the markets, so I bought that car. 48 hours later, it was, <laughs> it was here in Century City, which I fetched, and... Um, so I'm actually still, uh, that white one is still mine actually. So uh, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. But uh, yeah, so the Brooklyn Grey, it's, it's amazing. The color is such a head turner. The spec is amazing. Yeah. The X drive is on another level. It feels yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's one of the better handling cars I've ever driven in my life. A bit earlier, uh, I told him that I was in Gamsbad two days ago and I saw his car drove fast. I thought it was his car. And I was just like, that car has stones. Like even in stock form, yeah. it looks crazy. And that's what I love. Like, 
I think the previous M3 looked good, but this one has much more aggressive lines, yeah. uh, much more aggressive look, and like the rear diffuser and the front roll, it just all works together yeah. very well. And, and to be honest with you, the, the front grille has actually now become one of my favorite parts of the car. I, I love it. There you have it. Yeah. That's literally what BMW wanted you to do. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So um, you have an M4, of course. You also have the two E92 M3s, which we'll chat about now. Um, why the M3 and not the M4? Uh, so are you talking about the the, the current G80? Like G80? So I bought the first of all, as far as M3s and M4s go, as soon as the if even in the F80, if you yes. put an F80 M3 or F82 M4, besides Liberty Walk, obviously, yeah. um, I would take M3 every time. I've okay. always been a bigger fan of M3s and M4s. Even now with the G80, I feel like the M3s lines, especially from the back, are a lot more aggressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like the idea of a a power coupe. Yeah. On another note, the reason for the, the M3 is because I was replacing my four-door daily. I can't have all non-practical yeah. cars. So yeah. this is my more practical daily car. It needs four doors. Yeah. It seems like there's a bit of a pattern between your dailies and your toys. When it comes to your dailies, four-wheel drive keeps you sensible and in line. Yes. And two-wheel drive keeps you sliding. Exactly. Which is... Uh, Al yeah. Although in the G80 X-Drive, you, uh, you can switch it to rear-wheel drive. Like so it's similar to the MX drive where you can oh, okay it's, yeah it's the exact okay. same thing yeah okay that's very cool um it's actually crazy that cars are able to do that these yeah. days it's it's like insane. flick of a button you can turn it into whatever you want it to be exactly I love that I'm a huge fan of that so let's chat about the E92s um there's of course the V8 M3s um the one that stands out out of the rest so you have two of those now yeah uh, now a um, bit of a different build on each um chat about what you're doing with them uh so obviously the first one i bought was the the black one which is just a it's the v8 e92 uh bought it a couple of months ago with the intention of leaving it stock standard yeah um, <laughs> that didn't, no, last, that that didn't, didn't last very long uh drove the car and i the, again the reason i bought one i bought that car is because it's a it's an idol of mine yeah the, the e92 is what made me a huge fan of m3s Oh, the E36 was cool and the E30 was cool and I loved them. The E92 made me an M3 fan. It okay. made me once an M3. Yeah. So when I was older and I could afford... Dream come true. Exactly. So I bought it and then I realized how much of a toy that car is and how well it slides, how nice it is to drive, even though it's a 10-year-old car. Yeah. But it was slightly lacking on power. So me... Uh, having my crazy ideas and my tuners who like to support my crazy ideas decided we're going <laughs> to slap a, a VF engineering supercharger on it. Oh, VF like American VF. Yes. Okay. It's, uh, it's probably also going to be one of the first in the country. Um, so what, th there's a bit of a story behind that car. So, you know, it's quite typical in that car that they run bearings. <laughs> yeah. Always. So the bearings were done on this car when I bought it. Uh, we were then busy with the supercharger build on a track day. That same track day I mentioned with the M2 when yes. I broke the M2. Yes. Um, well, I didn't break the M2, but three. <laughs> we, the coil pack cut out. Um, but, but that day, so the M2 cut out. And the only other car that was accessible in Kilani Gardens was my M3, the E92 M3. Okay. But the car was like stripped out. They were half working on it. So yeah. It was a Saturday afternoon. I asked them, just like make the car drivable. Yeah. I want to throw it on the track. Okay. So we did. We threw it on the track. I did a warm-up lap, and then I hit the oval. I did. <laughs> I drifted the one corner. I drifted the other corner. Third corner, I came in. I was in a drift. Like, I was fully sideways at, like, 120 k's an hour, and my bearing <laughs> cut out. So, of course it did. So the whole engine seized. Of course. And uh, what was going to be a small little job to install a supercharger has now become... Um, I've had to purchase a whole new motor for the Rest car. Rest in peace. And we, yeah, exactly. And we, we're still going to continue with the supercharger build, obviously. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of on the back burner at the moment because I have so many cars being built at the moment. So yeah. we, we've kind of knocked that one back by like a month. Yeah. Because of the, the RS3 build that they're going to start doing. And obviously the, what other cars were they working on? Oh, it was the M2. They were just kind of finishing up with that. Yeah. Is that a, a, is both E92s um, automatic or manual? No. So the black one's uh, DCT. Okay. And the white one's manual. Okay. So the white one's obviously a bit of a different story. That's yes. Got a, yes, please. That's the most interesting one by far. Yeah. That's a... So it all started out with me being scammed. Oh, really? I was offered a Toyota Supra. A 1995 MK4 Toyota Supra. Forged motor, white, beautiful car. Fast drift, and furious. Yeah, drift car from Japan. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Supras. I'm a fan of the motor. So, 
I, I got in contact with this guy or he got in contact with me. I thought it was a really good deal. It was 535k for a fully built motor Supra imported landed here from Japan. So I was like, wow, what a deal. <laughs> Paid the money over. Then uh, the guy basically ran with my money, ran away with my money. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research and I contacted a, a friend of mine in Cape Town. I told him the story. Um, and I initially spoke to him to get, help me get the money back. Um, he then mentioned to me that he was busy building an E92 with two JZ and he wants to sell it. But he's never driven the car. It's, yeah. it's been built for three years. Yeah. Um, so th this sparked my interest. I said, forget about the money. Let's talk about this, this E92. So he, he's a very good guy. He's quite a, quite a big name in the car industry. I won't mention his name for privacy, but he's a yeah, very nice guy. He's become a very good friend of mine. He's built some crazy cars. Um, he said, I'm not going to sell you the car until you come to Kimberley with me and you physically lay eyes on the car. Yeah. Which I found was quite, well, I felt it was quite nice of him. So mm. uh, probably the next week I took Renato, my tuner. I took him and myself. We flew up to Kimberley, looked at the car and it was a done deal. It's, it's built by Bobby Bruce. He built some, yes. some insane cars. He's the king of two Jay-Z's in South Africa. I saw the attention to detail going to this car and I had to have it. Yeah, so. now, you saw, uh, you showed me pictures of the engine and I, like, it's unbelievable, the craftsmanship, as yeah. you said. Um, so that's, yo, that's a dream for many to come true, like just having a 2JZ engine in any car, yep. like just having one for, yeah. for Pete's sake, it's very good. It's um, another level, that car. Have you driven it extensively or not really? I've never driven that car. So you're still I, waiting for the... I've never even sat in the driver's seat. So you are probably itching. Yes. Okay. So it, it's, we kind of in the final month of the build now. Okay. Um, we were basically ready. Then there was a, a nitrous incident with the intercooler. So, <laughs> so they, they've had to restore or rebuild the intercooler. Aye. And then we, we should be good to go. Okay. So I'm, I'm going up to Joburg this week. And on the way back from Joburg, we're going to stop, make a stop in Kimberley. And yeah. uh, hopefully get a bit of a more accurate update. Yeah, that should be exciting. Yeah. Um, so... Before we touch on disturbing the peace, um, I want to quickly just touch on the RS3 too. You have that. Yeah. Is that also just another build, push up the power to 900 horsepower and like... Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, so the RS3, good. I'm not a huge Audi fan, um, but I've always liked the RS3. Um, when I was a little bit younger and the RS3 first came out, so that's the car I wanted. Yeah. Just because it was cool, it was fast, it made that brah noise when you change the gears. <laughs> that was the car one. Yeah. So since then I kind of wanted one, but then yeah, it was it was kind of iffy. Like I wasn't gonna spend that much money on a car because on that car because like yeah. I feel like there's a better car I could buy. Yeah. But uh I, I can't actually mention the company because it's a still a secret in development, but this company from Germany uh contacted my tuner and said, If you have anybody with this car, we're building this kit for it like full research and development kind of stuff okay so my tuner said go buy one so i went and i bought an rs3 specifically for that build uh and it's a bit of a guinea pig now yeah okay I, I, to be honest with you i've probably driven that car 500 k's if that yeah um we in the in the interim we did the usual exhaust intake downpipe software yeah it was cool yeah Didn't, not fun for me it was okay but uh this build that you're doing it's uh it includes a big turbo, the, the biggest turbo you can physically fit in the RS3 chassis. Um, it's also going to be a one-of-one -one build. It's never been done before. Chances are it's not going to be done again. It's yeah. everything. Fully forged motor, like complete rebuild of the car. Yeah. It's, it's going to be unrecognizable and it's going to be... I'm not going to claim times, but it's... Sub 10 second drag, but uh, but, but me and Ramiz are going to have a chat about that car. I can tell you that much. And yeah, you know, he's got the that fastest TTRs in the country. Yeah, we, we may be in the might have a meeting. Be, yeah, we might have a little meeting one day. No, I've all the respect to him, but I'd love to beat him. <laughs> I've seen those RS3s, like those five cylinders, achieve miracles. Like yeah. on drag strips, on quarter miles, it's unbelievable what those like tuned, specifically tuned RS3s can do. So what yours is going to do i'm quite scared of yes me too. um me but too. uh i hope you come alive out of that uh, <laughs> out of that I'm, first drive. i may or may not be the driver when we're trying to set times like that yeah but uh yeah that car's going to be insane and obviously we it's not going to be a street car it's going to be full track focused car yeah 
quarter mile, one quarter mile at a time, kind of <laughs> Dom Toretto kind of stuff. There we go. Stripped interior. It's not going to be a drivable car. You can't take that car to you. There we go. Pay. Yeah. So maybe I failed to mention, but uh, he is the owner or founder of the Instagram page, Disturbing the Peace. And that's where I basically found him, saw what he was doing. I was like, this is crazy. Um, love the cause. It's it's different than just like, it's not a spotting, you know, page at all, whatever. It's a guy with his cause doing projects, sharing the story, um, which is very much in line with, you know, any Pedro, it's passion. So tell me about what, how you started it and what it is now, what you want it to be. Yeah. So originally I started it, obviously everyone's got their personal Instagram page uh, and I, as most petrol heads are, follow other car pages and it's cool, but I wanted there to be a page like specifically focused on my cars. You know, a lot of guys, they have the page, but they're not posting their cars, they're posting everyone's cars. Yeah. I wanted my cars and I wanted to be, I basically, my, when I started this page, I was like, I want to do something different. I want to take over the Cape Town car scene. That was my intention. And uh, to be honest, I feel like I'm on the way there. It's, it's a very uh, apt I'm, name. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's made, made, quite a, made quite waves with, yeah. quite big waves with the car scene and it has. the police and <laughs> the public. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's become quite, a, quite an accurate name and I didn't know that at the time. Um, it kind of just, it came to me one night. I was just sitting and I, you know, I decided I'm going to start the page. Never really did anything big with it until I bought the Liberty Walk and obviously the Liberty Walk helped me get a lot of traction uh, it already kind of had its own following up in Joburg where the car was purchased yeah. because racist cars do have their own followings and then from there I think people saw how I drove the car it wasn't just a garage queen I actually drove it and you know I drifted and I spin and do donuts and all the stuff people want to see you do Yeah. and I'm not doing it with cheap cars and I feel like that also makes it a little bit more of a, a little bit more appealing. So it's, yeah, it just started as a page to kind of have some fun and show people what I like to do. And now it's gained some serious traction, and I've got some pretty big goals for it. I wanted to, you know, I've got some some goals of the amount of followers I want, and yeah. you know, eventually it become a a household brand in the in the Cape Town car scene, and then hopefully the international car scene as well. Yeah. And do you want to do? Do you want to make it a full-on business with brand collaborations and partnerships Absolutely. and stuff? Okay. Absolutely. Oh, you're already doing that with like ATM tuning. Yeah. Tweak. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's already got me a few sponsors, uh, uh, and I've I've been working with these guys for for a while, and yeah, I, I get quite a few quite a few offers as well. But I also I wanted to become a a generic brand where just because I've got X amount of followers and oh, sure. you know if a printer company approaches me, there's no relevance, even if they're offering me money. It's, it's not going to, yeah. it doesn't tie in with the page. It's not adding value at all. Exactly. So uh, I'm kind of keeping it exclusive in that regard. So okay. it's, I, I want it to be cars. I don't want some random printer company to sponsor me and I'm advertising their, their goods on my cars or whatever it may be. It's not, yeah. it doesn't speak to me. It doesn't speak to the cars. Yeah. It's very much like if it's not in line with what I want to do, mm. That's a no for me. Exactly. Realistically, and uh, don't take this arrogantly, I don't need the money. You know, if, you, if you're throwing money at me, if it's for the right reasons, I'll take it. But yeah. I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not going to brand my car in a printer, yeah. a printing company. Yeah, it's not it, the goal. it doesn't benefit me in any way. So yeah. I'm not going to do that. So usually to end off, I ask guests, this, like, portray to me, show me your dream three-car garage. And, and then I have a daily classic car and a supercar or like your mad weekend toy okay. okay is it can i say that you have your dream garage or is there still cars you'd rather have in that three car garage that's a tough question i'll be honest with you right now i think i have my, my dream cars there, there's no car that i look at and say wow i wish i had that car yeah the yeah it was an m3 e92 m3 it was a F80 or F82 M4. It was a Nissan GTR. To be honest with you, I, I currently have my dream cars. It was okay. a big turbo. M and all these things that are, these crazy ideas in my head come from somewhere. And yeah. I think that's where they come from. So is there any cars out in this world or builds possibly in your imagination that you'd still want to happen in the future? Or is this just down to what cars or brands are going to release in coming years? So probably both of the, yes to both of those questions. Okay. So obviously there'll be more in the future. Um, 
I've got some, some builds that I'd love to do. Mm. Um, first and foremost, um, and it may happen, it may not, uh, we'll see what happens. I don't want to risk the motor plan on my daily G80. But if I have two G80s, I might make one of them an absolute animal of a car. Uh, there's, I know there's a, it's not the G80, but it's the X3M in Joburg. Okay. Uh, same motor, and he's running stupid fast times yeah. uh, with just a tune. I would love to turn a G80, because I know this car, I can feel this car, the potential of this car is on another level. Yeah. I'd love to make the thing an absolute weapon, because already as it stands, it's a weapon. So yeah. uh, a, a dream would be to, to modify the hell out of one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, another car that I, I really want and in the near future I'm probably going to get is an F80 M3. Um, and, and I want to make that thing an absolute, a big single turbo S55 forged motor. It's, it's been done before, but yeah. it's, it can be done again. Yeah, it's totally it, fine. It, it can be done better. We love to see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know what I want to do with that car. And then my next thing that I, that I want, uh, my, my friend Imad is actually getting me into it, is uh, track. I, okay. I, I want to build a couple of track cars. Yeah. yeah. Now I can see you going into that. You've already done some track days, so yeah. now why not get a bit serious about it? Exactly. You know, have your own build. Business is booming, hopefully. So yeah, business is good. Yeah. Let's say in a few years' time, We'll have some track toys up in absolutely, okay, or, or cool. a few weeks' time, actually. or a few weeks. <laughs> you, you like I'm, I'm not limiting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think just the last thing you mentioned something very interesting is like you don't really like supercars. You, no. yeah, it's not that like you have a, a resentment against them. Absolutely you just not. don't prefer. Maybe finish finish us off with that. What's your motive behind that? So. It's not that I don't like supercars. Everyone can look at a supercar and appreciate it and love it. And I've got all the respect for Porsche and Ferrari and Lambo. And I think they could be cool cars, but it doesn't fit in with what I like for cars. I like a car that I can make how I want it. Mm. Um, even if you consider a Porsche 911 GT3 RS as the perfect car, and to be honest, I would as well. It's not perfect for me. Yeah. It's the perfect car for the mass, but... That doesn't make it my perfect car. I like to make my perfect car perfect for me. Yeah. You may drive my M2 and absolutely hate it, but for me, it's exactly how I want it. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've got all the respect for those kind of cars. It's, I just don't feel like owning one. Yeah. And that may change in a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years. But as it stands right now, I'm not a fan. And I've driven them. I've, you know, I've been behind the wheel of of most of these supercars that you can that you can think of. I've driven. Yeah. Porsches, Lambos, Ferraris, almost any supercar or semi-supercar. Yeah. And I've, I haven't just driven them like, you know, around the block. I've, I've spent extensive time with these cars. Yeah. And they're cool, but it's, it's just not what I want. Yeah. There you have it. Um, I think it's a quite cool view and opinion. Like that's what, that's what when it comes to being a petrol head or having a massive passion for cars is about. Like it's about what you want to drive it's about what you want to see in a car exactly. so if you like old Honda Ballards and modifying them then that's fine you know 100%. go for it um, but yeah thanks Lorenzo for joining today it was such a lovely conversation I feel there's a lot to be learned still but uh, for me of course but yeah I feel I gained a lot of like experience um, in this too but yeah usually I'll end it off and I'll say rather love cars because it's better than drugs 100%. yeah there we go cheers thank you very much Thank you.